As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. It's just so easy to get distracted. There's so many gurus out there teaching all kinds of stuff on how to get rich. and A lot of it works, but you got to figure out what's for you and then kind of stick with them. Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal best ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our best ever partner, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing? Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing? Or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes the free service, here comes the free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714. I interviewed her about her best ever advice. Talk to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls, they handle the rent collections, they handle late payment reminders, they handle the lease violation notices, everything from the text messages, reminders, all the way to collecting the ACH payments. Linda's team will help you scale your business, whether you got 500 units or even a handful of units, go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. They're going to give you a free 30-minute goal strategy session. They'll give you free setup and the first 30 days free, mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Again, if you are self-managing and you're not fulfilled by self-managing and you agree that there's a better way to scale your business, scale your investments, then go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Take Linda and her team up on their generous offer of giving you a trial and a strategy session to see if it's right for you. MyLandlordHelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today. Todd Dexheimer, how you doing, Todd? Good, Joe. Appreciate you having me on. Well, we're glad to have you on the show. A little bit about Todd. He is the owner at Sterling Acquisitions. When he began investing in 2008, he bought three different properties. I'll let him explain what he did with those three properties. But right out of the gate, he bought three different properties. 
he proceeded to complete over 100 rehab and cell flips and 80 units of single families. And he has bought a ski resort and is now buying apartments out of state. He's bought 76 units since about this time last year. He's formerly a high school teacher, and he is in Twin Cities, Minnesota. With that being said, Todd, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus? Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I, I used to be a high school shop teacher. I did that for about five years, and, and my wife took a job in, in St. Paul, which is where we live right now. So I had nothing to do but read because right when she got married, she took a long-distance job. We were living apart, and so I read, and I got really interested in investing and real estate investing in particular. Really liked the uh, apartment stuff and thought, this is what I want to do. So timing worked out really well. Obviously, I started in 2008 right when the market crashed. And like you said, I bought three properties. And I bought them all within a couple weeks of each other. I bought my first rental house, which I actually still own today. I bought a house to live in and fix up and flip a foreclosure that my wife and I lived in. That was a treat. And then I also bought with a partner my first actual flip that he didn't live in. And it all went really well. Kind of wanted to keep on going. So in 2008 and early 2009, I bought three more rental homes and a duplex and just kept on going. And let's see, 2009, I formed a partnership with a business partner that we went out and flipped houses. And it also bought rentals with some of that income. But between 2009 and 2015, I flipped over 100 properties, kept a bunch of them, 50, 60 properties. There's a few more than that, I guess. But right now, I still have about 50 of them, mostly single families, up to four-unit buildings. You mentioned I bought a ski resort. During that time, I also bought one 15-unit apartment deal, which was a flip, and just some other random stuff. So kind of where I'm at right now, in, in 2015, my business partner and I split. We just had differences in our vision. And I decided, you know what, I've always wanted to go and buy apartment buildings, and that's what I'm going to do. So I started researching more on apartments, on the markets, and looking for kind of emerging real estate markets. In the Twin Cities, it's really expensive here to buy, not a ton of good deals. So I knew that I needed to go somewhere else to achieve my goals. So I took over a year in research, and finally I jumped on a plane and went to several markets that I decided I thought had good opportunities to buy them. Which Within ones? nine months, I went into Memphis, Tennessee. That was scary. Yeah. I stayed out of, I stayed out of Memphis. If you've ever, ever been there. There are some, pocket, sure there are some good it, pockets and some bad pockets, but some really, really yeah, bad pockets. Yeah, definitely. I got chased down there. thought I was going to get killed. Um, <laughs> I went into Florida, Jacksonville, and then I went to Cincinnati, and Cincinnati is where I ended up buying most of my deals. I've also bought some stuff in Milwaukee, Wisconsin as well. So in the last nine months, I've now purchased about 100 units all out of state, all between 11 and 22 units. And so now I'm looking for that next step up to try to get into the 50-plus units. My main focus is on just trying to find those emerging markets, finding apartments, and, of course, private investors to invest in them. What type of structure do you have with private investors on a deal? 
I'm pretty flexible, but what I try to do on my properties is a partnership split, and it really depends on the deal. But let's just say my main focus is on trying to find value add. So if it's a value add with a lot of work and a lot of potential, it's going to be closer to like a 50-50 type split. They put in most or all of the funds, depending on the deal, of course, and they get a preferred return, 7%, and then we split 50-50. That's the equity, that's the cash flow, that's the profit when we sell. It's kind of a five- to seven-year plan on the deal. Again, it depends on the deal. And it's all about making the investors money, right? I mean, you got to make them happy. you got to make them money. And they're not going to want to do business with you <laughs> if you can't do that. So a lot of the deals I put money into, like I said, I do value-add. And I do a lot of construction value-add. So we have to put some funds in right up front. So Wait, what, they, what, what do you mean construction? New build or just major renovation? No, no renovation. So, for instance, I just bought a twenty unit, and I'll end up putting about one hundred and eighty thousand dollars into it. How much you buy it for? One hundred and eighty-five. You bought it for one eighty-five, and you are putting in about one hundred and eighty. Yep. Okay. Think twenty units, two bedroom, one bath, probably in the sixes. Got it. When we're all done. Where's that one? It's in Cincinnati. Okay. What area in Cincinnati? Westwood. Okay, cool. So it's a sea area. It's definitely going to require a lot of work just because of the area it's in and because of the work that needs to be done. But it'll be a good property when it's done, and we might sell that one a little quicker than five years. So some of those deals like that, I might put a decent amount of the rehab portion in, and then when we finance it, finally, then... Typically, I get my money back. The investor gets a lot of their money back, if not all, as well. Mm -hmm. And do they maintain original ownership, or do you cash them out? I don't cash them out. I keep them in the deal. Cool. You're in Twin Cities. Cincinnati is not a couple hours drive from where you are. Therefore, I suspect that you have a team in place doing these renovations. This is a major construction or renovation project, it sounds like. How did you find your on-the-ground partner? It's all about referrals. So basically, when I started there, it's a finding the agents that are doing deals and then getting referrals from them on who are the managers in town that can handle this type of thing, who are the contractors in town, and then also talking with once you find some managers, who are the contractors in town. With my background, I've done a lot of construction, so I know what I'm looking for, too. So that's really helped in finding contractors. I've actually found a lot of the contractors that I work with just through Craigslist, through word of mouth. And one of my top contractor right now is a guy that I found, and he's just doing awesome. He's getting these projects done fast, and he's doing them right, and he's affordable. It's definitely, like you said, you have to find the right people. That's extremely important. Your manager and your contractors, those people are going to make or break the deal. One unique thing that I love about what you've done, and it shouldn't be unique, but unfortunately it is for fix and flippers, and that is you have kept a lot of the homes that you've renovated in your personal portfolio. You said you have about 60 of them that you've kept. Most fix and flippers, they flip and then they just keep on turning that money. And my advice, based on the interviews I've done, is to do what you've done, and that is to keep some of them in your portfolio. Clearly, you can't do a one-to-one -one ratio. Otherwise, you won't have money to fund the next flip. 
but at least keep some. How do you manage the 60 properties that you have in your portfolio? Those ones I self-manage now. Wow. Again, I've got a team. It sounds daunting, but it's really not. I've got a team of maintenance, people that can handle that kind of stuff. I've got a bookkeeper, an assistant that does a lot of the day-to-day so I don't really spend that much time on them personally. How many, how many I've got hours people a week? that help me with showings? I don't know, maybe two, three. That's it. Two to three hours. That's it. So you have your own property management company. Essentially, yeah. It's all about delegating. If you can delegate and get the right systems in place. There's definitely there's some weeks, Joe, that I'm tearing my hair out and I'm going, Man, maybe I should just get rid of these things because I spent twenty hours that week. But there's other weeks I don't even think about them. Uh-huh. The weeks that you're starting to yank on your hair and you spend 20 hours a week, what's happening? What's a specific example? I've had a tenant will call into the city because something happened. The tenant doesn't contact me. They just contact the city first, some repair or something like that. So then the city gets on me and then they do their inspections and they might find five other things that they want me to fix. And it's just dealing with the city, dealing with the tenant, dealing with all that kind of stuff. So. It was really bad when I was doing most of the maintenance myself. I pretty much missed my wife's birthday one year because of that. So <laughs> she appreciated that. <laughs> <laughs> where you were on a call where you were fixing someone's maintenance issue? Yeah, I started to cook her dinner. And I oh. get a phone call from a tenant. This was a Friday night. I get a phone call from a tenant that their plumbing had burst. And this wasn't as simple as go shut your water off. This was a small apartment building. So... I called a bunch of plumbers. I called my plumber. Everybody's out of town. Everybody's gone. I can't get anybody. So I, sorry, honey, I, I got to go <laughs> run down there. And I back and forth to Home Depot getting parts and finally fixed it. And I get home like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> she smelling smelling great, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So I decided it was time to, <laughs> to delegate some of that stuff finally. Did you decide that or did she decide that for you? Yeah, she, yeah, right. She decided. Yeah, she, it's either me or your apartments. <laughs> what type of so- she, what type she of is, she's good? What type of software program do you use? QuickBooks is all that I use right now. I don't do any of that stuff. When I was doing it myself, I was using Excel, but now my assistant takes care of all the books, everything. Right now, I've been looking at a new program called Appfolio. I might try out, but we'll see. All right, I got to ask about the ski resort. Is that making you money? I sold it. You sold it. Did it make you money? Yep. A lot. Yeah. Tell us about so, it. So actually my business, but I got a credit. My old business partner found it. He's a big deer hunter. He ended up stumbling across his property, talked to the guy that owned it. It was just perfect timing. They wanted to sell it. So we bought it, I don't know, for 450000 or something, right around there. And we Kind of wanted to do something with it, but it just wasn't going to work. He wanted to do a bunch. He just, he was going to run everything and it wasn't working. He wasn't doing anything. And I didn't want any part of, part of running it. So we ended up putting it on the market and selling it and making a pretty good chunk of money on what'd the you, sale. What'd you um, sell it for? 900000 Okay. And what period of time? This was just over a year. About a year. Yeah. So we were going to run events and weddings and stuff like that out of it and it probably would have made good money but it just would have been a lot of management and a lot of time Mm -hmm. and effort on something i just didn't want to focus on it 
Actually, that's who bought it right now. Just a young guy who's running weddings and events, and he's run one of those mud run type events out of it. And he's doing pretty good. I talked to him not too long ago, and he's doing pretty good with it. He loves what he's doing. So good. he sold it to the right person, I think. Yeah, win-win all around. What city is that in? That's in Rochester, Minnesota. It's an hour south of the Twin Cities. Hmm. Okay. Beautiful areas, 172 acres, just a beautiful piece of property. 8,000 square foot lodge. How did you originally finance that? <laughs> Bank gave us 100% financing on it. Wow. What year is this? Based on the, this was in 2012-ish. Huh. Based on the appraisal value, they gave us a 100% loan on it because it appraised at like $950,000. Wow. Did the seller review the appraisal before closing? I'm not sure. Okay. I was going to say. I'm sure if he did, he went, oh my (laughs) gosh, what am I doing? (laughs) Wow. But, you know, it kind of worked out for everyone. Yeah, he probably could have sold it for a little bit more, but. They needed to get out of it, mm-hmm. and they needed to get out of it desperately. And they wanted somebody that was going to do something with it, and that was the intention, and it just it ended up not working. But, again, now the right person has it, and he's doing really good with it. How did you get the funds for the original purchases? Was it through your high school teaching, or was it some other way? When I first started, my wife and I – basically took all of our money and we bought our first, well, I guess it was our second house, but our first house in the Twin Cities in the foreclosure and that rental property. And that was all of our money. And I don't know why she let me do it, but she did. <laughs> and that rental, after I fixed it, both of them were foreclosures. The uh, single family that we bought didn't require a ton of money because we did a 203K loan on it, I think it was yeah, called. Yeah. The FHA loan. Yep. But the rental, we had to put 20% down and then I put my own cash into it to fix it up. And then we ended up refinancing it and we pulled all of our money out of it. Plus we got paid and we still retained about a $350 a month cash flow. And with that money, then we went and did the same thing quite a few times. And at that time you could do it. I don't think you can do that really anymore. Refinance that quickly. Mm-hmm. But that time you could refinance right away. Mm. So that's what we did. Bought five properties like that, I think. And then I started finding investors to help fund flips and find banks. In 2009 and 10, I probably called about 300 local banks to get financing on flips. And I found a handful of them that said yes. That's a lot of banks. You wouldn't believe how many of them called me stupid. You're crazy to be investing in real estate. In 2009, (laughs) the the sky had fallen. So, So many of them just felt sorry for me. That I was in <laughs> <laughs> Ended up being, in hindsight, 2009 and 10s, a phenomenal time to have been investing in real estate. Yeah, absolutely. Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I guess I come up with two things. I would say to focus on your actual goals and be patient, especially in this market, to be patient is really important. It's just so easy to get distracted. You know, there's so many gurus out there teaching all kinds of stuff on how to get rich. and A lot of it works, but you got to figure out what's for you and then kind of stick with it and try not to just go everywhere. What I'm focusing on right now is apartments and building that business. 
But in the past, I was doing flipping, I was doing contracting, I was doing the rentals, I was doing really anything, anything I could get my hands on, I was doing, I was, I was selling real estate. I joined an MLM selling vacation packages. You know, <laughs> I just wanted to do anything to try to make money. It, it just distracts you. So just focus on what you want to do and really be patient with it and understand that it takes a while and it's, it's not just an overnight business. And, and that piggybacking on what I just said, this is a business. And I think too many people take this as they think they're a real estate investor. You're not a real estate investor. You're a business owner. Mm. And you've got to run it as a business and not as a hobby, especially if you want to buy apartment buildings and you want to use private money. You can't just go and use other people's money and run it as a hobby. It's a business. And you know that. I've got a good portfolio. You run it as a business. You do. And you mentioned focus on your goals and be patient. Now, I want to call you out a little bit. I want to hear what your response is because you bought three properties right out of the gate. And I have yet to meet someone who on the first purchase three deals, but yet your advice is be patient. What do you say about that? <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess you did call me out pretty good. Didn't you? <laughs> I would say it was a different market then. And before I bought that rental, before I bought that flip and the house that I ended up living in, I looked at probably 200 houses and I didn't buy any of them until I found the ones that worked and worked well. So I bought a lot at one time, but I looked at a couple hundred of them and it was over several months before I bought. And like I said, that time was different. There was deals everywhere. And now there's still deals, but you have to make sure you're not overpaying for a deal. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Are you an investor who self-manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day tasks? Well, there's a better way, best ever listener, and guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper, will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue, and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30-minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Ready to enter the minds of successful entrepreneurs and millionaires? Are you ready to excel in your entrepreneurial and investing journey? The new podcast, Before the Millions, studies phenomenal entrepreneurs and their path to millions. Journey through exclusive interviews, giving you all the secrets to mimic their successes, Listen and subscribe to Before the Millions podcast at beforethemillions.com. That's beforethemillions.com. Best ever book you've read? David Lindell, Emerging Real Estate Markets. I also got this cool new book sitting on my desk that I just dug into, and it's written by this guy named Joe Fairless. I knew this was Best going. Real Estate Investing <laughs> Advice Ever, Volume 2. I love it, Joe, though. I, I met you in Cincinnati not too long ago. And uh, you talked about the junior achievement. I thought that was cool. So I had to go out and buy the book right away. Mm -hmm. If nothing else, just to support that junior achievement. I didn't know if your book was going to be good or not, but that's what I wanted to buy it for. So, And so far, the book is pretty good. I haven't gotten too far into it, but so far, it's pretty good. Best ever deal you've done? Oh, boy. Um, It's hard to say. I bought a four-plax for 98 grand. It was listed for 210. That was pretty fun. One of my favorite ones, I bought a triplex 
pretty much by accident came on the market for about eight grand. I think I put my bid in for about eighty thousand dollars, and I get an email from the agent that says, "Hey, your offer for eighty six thousand dollars is the best, and if you come up to eighty eight, you've got it, and we won't call for highest and best." That wasn't my offer, so I'm, but I'm like, okay, <laughs> run over to the property, take take, take a look. I walked it as quick as I could because I had to make a decision, and I'm like, this is a slam dunk. So I said, yeah, I could do this deal. And during my inspection, I'm walking this building, and I find out that there's an extra area to this house that's completely blocked up. You can't figure it out from the outside. You can't figure it out from the inside. But I can see where there was a door that was patched in from the inside. And I shouldn't say this out loud because I probably should have done it, but I broke a hole in the drywall. This was a foreclosure condemned <laughs> building. Broke a hole in the drywall, and it's a whole nother unit, an illegal unit that somebody had put in. It was an extra bedroom, bathroom, and it allowed me to expand the kitchen. And I don't think anybody would have known about it until they, after they bought the house, and they're going, what the heck is going <laughs> on with this building? So it ended up giving me an extra bedroom. So that's not even the best part. This deal was close to a couple of our private colleges. But I didn't know how close, if it was going to draw college students or not. So before I even closed on this building, I threw ads on Craigslist. And I'm showing this building before I closed on the house. I'm going into the building and showing college students. And I am getting three leases signed on the triplex before I closed on the deal. I closed on it. it there was $100,000 in renovations I had to do in two months. I had so many people on that property. We did the renovations. We got it done exactly when we needed to get it done. The city inspector walked through, gave me the certificate of occupancy, and literally within an hour, three of my units moved in, and I collected $3,700 of income right then. Wow. It was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I still have that thing, and it just it's a cash flow machine. I love you know, it. All by accident. Uh, yeah. But oh, it's, it's... It was just putting offers in and being diligent about making sure you're on top of it and not letting opportunities pass you by what's a mistake you've made on a real estate deal i don't think i've ever made a mistake <laughs> seriously <laughs> no yeah no um <laughs> I, I lost uh, i lost a hundred grand because of lack of contracts and lack of just i guess really paying attention and uh, what happened is i flipped a house but i didn't actually do the rehab on it i just flipped it to this unassuming couple thought, you know, they seemed good. And I ended up retaining the contract to do the repairs. So I was going to make money on the flip and going to make money on the contract. But everything was loose. I had poor contracts. Change orders were done through text messages and emails, all that kind of stuff. And so like a day or two before the house was done, I met with these people and gave them their final bill with all the change orders and all that kind of stuff. And they didn't like the bill. And so I said, well, let's talk about it. They said, we'll go home and we'll talk. Next day, my contractors show up and the locks are changed. And I get a call from an attorney saying they're suing me. So legal fees and long time later, I ended up losing out about a hundred grand. The only good thing is I made money on the flip. So I really only lost in the end about 50 grand, but still it's a lot of money. It's just all because of not being diligent. What's the best ever way you like to give back? Right now, most of my giving is through my church. I love volunteering. I've got two young kids, so I love volunteering with them, bringing them to events. 
really just want to focus on doing that more. And like I said before, I love giving to this junior achievement. That's kind of one of my goals. And, and as I've invested in apartments, my commitment is to give a minimum of 5% of the income to local charities that that property is, with the main focus being on education, mainly for education for underserved, low-income youth and young adults. Yeah, well, that is junior achievement right there. Yeah, absolutely. Where can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? They could email me. My email is Todd with two D's, T O D D, at Sterling Group MN, like Minnesota, dot com. Well, Todd, thanks for being on the show and talking through how you got started with the three different properties, how you and your partner bought a ski resort and made a good chunk of cash on that how you have kept a percentage of your fix and flips in your portfolio so you get that income coming in, your self-management, how you do partner splits with they put most or all the money in, 7% preferred return, 50-50 split thereafter, and again, every deal is unique, but generally, that's how you approach it. Then the extra unit that wasn't your offer that you rented out before you bought the property, which I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure if that is recommended, but either way, what a story. And thanks for sharing that as well as everything else that you shared. This has been an educational interview and an interview that is inspirational. Hope you have a best ever day, my friend, and we'll talk to you soon. I appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Ready to enter the minds of successful entrepreneurs and millionaires? Are you ready to excel in your entrepreneurial and investing journey? The new podcast, Before the Millions, studies phenomenal entrepreneurs and their path to millions. Journey through exclusive interviews, giving you all the secrets to mimic their successes. Listen and subscribe to Before the Millions podcast at beforethemillions.com. That's beforethemillions.com.